hello, popheads, and welcome to issue 44 of the TomCast Popcast, also known as Popcast, a proud member of the 3BZ Network. My name is Tom, and today I'm joined by nobody. Uh, but there's a reason for that, and we will get to it shortly. But first, uh, please show your love and support for this podcast by following our social media accounts at TomCast underscore Popcast on Twitter, at the TomCast underscore Popcast on Instagram. And if you are interested, you can show your love and support even further by going to Pophead and joining Pophead Nation officially over at patreon.com slash TomCastPopCast. Remember, this is the pop culture podcast that knows how the Preacher finale should have ended, but they messed it up. They had one job, and they messed it up. Anyways, in case you can't tell, that's the reason why we are going to be doing a solo show today. Uh, I mentioned it, uh, gosh, two uh, two episodes ago. I really wanted to do a, a bit of a, uh, not necessarily a deep dive necessarily, but I wanted to have a spoiler-filled uh, conversation about the finale of The Preacher Show on AMC. And because Roger uh, is watching the show at a somewhat slower pace, um, I didn't want to have I didn't want him to have to hear the spoilers. I wanted him to to watch the show and we can talk about it later. So Roger's probably gonna have to skip listening to this episode too because um, the 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 spoiler alarm is gonna be sounding later on, and we're gonna talk a little bit more about the preacher finale. Um, but before I dive into that, you know some news some news things happened uh, since our since we last convened. Uh, this past weekend in New York was the New York Comic Con, and some news came out of there. Uh, the most exciting things that came out were, were trailers. But before I get into the, into talking about those and kind of uh, giving my two cents on on the shows that that premiered new trailers, uh, there was some some news that actually broke on Instagram, uh, and that was from uh, a I, I call him a film icon to me, uh, someone whose movies. Growing up, especially, meant a lot to me. But it's a, a, a filmmaker whose work I still enjoy to this day, and I pay attention to probably far more than than I should, because he's pretty much got a podcast on every day of the week, uh, and that would be be Kevin Smith. Uh, Kevin Smith hopped on his Instagram and announced formally, officially, that Clerks Three is happening. Uh, now there have been whispers and rumors of of, of Clerks Three before. Uh, but this is a this is a different version of Clerks Three. the The initial draft that Kevin Smith had of Clerks Three was very different, very dark, and uh, it it never quite came together to get that movie off the ground. And it sounds like it's probably for the best because this new version of Clerks Three sounds pretty damn interesting. And also, more importantly, one of the reasons why the why Clerks Three didn't happen the first time around was there was a falling out between Kevin Smith and Jeff Anderson, who plays Randall in the Clerks movies. Um, and if, if Kevin Smith learned one thing recently, it's that, uh, you know, there's no fences that can't be mended. And just like he mended fences with Ben Affleck, uh, he made a point of mending fences with Jeff Anderson. And that, I think, went a long way to helping get this movie going. Uh, but also, I think what also helped get it going was Kevin had a new perspective. And a lot of it seemed to stem from his, his uh, you know, life-altering experience when, when Kevin Smith had his heart attack last year. Um, He's on the record saying in an interview with The Wrap uh, that the new film... Uh, okay, here, I'll read the exact quote that he read to The Wrap. It's now being shared on the internet on, on websites like Collider and io9 and stuff like that. Uh, Kevin, Kevin Smith says, quote, Randall has a heart attack and decides that he came so close to death and his life has meant nothing. 
There's nobody to memorialize him. He has no family or anything like that. And in recovery, while under fentanyl, he comes to the conclusion at midlife, having almost died, having worked in a movie store his whole life and watched other people's movies, he tells Dante, I think we need to make a movie. So Dante and Randall go about making Clerks the movie. And that is a story for Clerks 3. That is some super deep meta shit right there. Um, <laughs> and I'll be honest, I'm super interested in this movie way more than I thought it would be. I love the Clerks series. I, I enjoy 1 and 2 quite a bit. I wasn't sure what they were going to go for for Clerks 3, but uh, I, I think Kevin might have found some uh, very good inspiration in his real life his real life uh, trauma. His, his, and, and it kind of ties back in together with everything else that's come up in his life. I mean, this is sort of what happened to him, though, you know, 30-ish years ago. You know, Kevin Smith woke up with the realization that he needed to make a movie, and that's what he went about doing. He went about making the first Clerks movie that changed his life forever. And so that's the kind of... Uh, meta-ness that we are talking about. So I'm, I'm very intrigued by this. Uh, Kevin's out right now. He's A lot of these interviews have come up uh, because he's out right now promoting Jay and Silent Bob Reboot, which will be in theaters on October 15th. I think there's it's like a Fathom Events sort of thing because he's touring the movie around town with, with, with uh, Jason Mewes, a.k.a. Jay, and they're doing Q&As and all these other big events at the, at the screenings. But I think if you, do, if you go to Fathom Events, you can find tickets for just a regular old screening on the 15th, if you'd like. I may not be 100% accurate about that, but I'll, I'll, I'll fact-check that and get back to you guys uh, when, when I reconvene with Roger shortly. Because um, I'll be curious about what he thinks about this. So that's good news right there on the, on the clerk's front, on the Kevin Smith front. Good to see Kevin's, like, uh, kind of on, on, like, the next phase of his career, you know? Like, I, I've loved Kevin's podcast for a long time. I've been a big fan of those. Uh, but his, his film career kind of, kind of waned a little bit. I'm glad to see him out there creating again and turning out really, really interesting ideas. And it sounds like this is going to be one of them. I'm, I'm really curious to see how this project turns out and comes together. So good news on the Kevin Smith front. All right, let's get back to those trailers I mentioned coming out of the New York Comic Convention. The first one we want to mention is a show that is is near and dear to my heart, and that would be the season four trailer, the new season four trailer for The Expanse which will now be streaming on Amazon Prime. The nice part about this trailer is that uh, we get a little bit more glimpse of what's going on in the new season. We, uh, we get a release date as well. We, December 13th is when we will be able to start streaming episodes of season four of The Expanse. So I hope everyone out there is taking advantage of their Amazon Prime memberships and catching up on the first three seasons of this awesome, awesome science fiction show. With, and if you haven't, I'm, I'm going to try and not spoil what's come before. Um, but I'm going to say that the, you, when you, if you watch this trailer, you get a good glimpse of what's next, the next phase of The Expanse. Because uh, the, 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 the events that happened in the first three seasons, this is the next step. This is, uh, this is the crew of the Rosinante on an alien world and humans exploring alien worlds outside of the Earth's solar system. And don't worry, that's not a big spoiler. I mean, like, the spoilers, like, kind of how, it's kind of sort of how they get there. That's, that's what I'm not going to talk to you guys about. But what's cool about this is, you know, obviously, obviously if anyone's out there has read the books, you, you know this stuff already. Um, colonizing worlds is not as easy as it sounds, and uh, this is a show that's going to highlight that. It's, there's a lot going on here. 
as far as kind of like a colonialism sort of take on things, you know, how is that presented in, in, in a futuristic scenario? Uh, it's going to be, I mean, it's the expanse. It's a, it's, it is a top notch killer, killer sci-fi show. And I can't urge people enough to check it out if you haven't already. Um, I know a handful of people who are super mega fans because this is the kind of show that you become a super mega fan of very, very quickly. It is a fully realized, I'll say world, but the, the, the scope of the show is obviously bigger than a world. But it is a fully realized galaxy, fully realized universe. It's very, very real. The science behind the show is pretty darn legit. I mean, there's a lot of physics involved here, math computations that are beyond my skill set. Um, you know, and as much as I love like some of the more fantastic elements of things like Star Wars where, you know, you don't need science, um, I, I, I appreciate and respect the way that The Expanse handles those things on their show, but they don't make me feel like a dummy for not having an advanced degree in physics. Uh, they do a really nice job with that. Uh, that. And that goes for the books as well. The books are not uh, overly complicated. They, ex- they explain things in, in a very real-world kind of dialogue that, uh, again, I never felt over overwhelmed by any of the information I was getting from either the show or from the books. So please dive into both worlds. I mean, the books are fantastic. They're, they, and, no, no pun intended, they're, they are more expansive than the Expanse show is because the show does have to have a little bit more of a limited scope because, you know, budgets and things like that. But this show's coming real, real quick, and that is really, really, really exciting news. So I hope everyone gets caught up on that. The next trailer that I want to talk about that dropped was for a show that we've already highlighted on this podcast before, and that is the trailer for Star Trek Picard. And, oh boy, I, I can't even tell you guys how excited I am about this show. I'm a big Star Trek fan, big Star Trek The Next Generation fan in particular, and I, I love Captain Jean-Luc Picard. He is, like, primo, A, number one to me. I love that dude. I'm so excited for the show. It looks like there's going to be a lot of referencing to things that have happened in the past. Obviously, Picard's got a, a, a history that's been well-documented through the shows and through the Star Trek Next Generation movies. But it looks like they're going to try and make it so that it's accessible, too. So you don't have to have watched, you know, the seven seasons of Next Gen in, in, in four not not overall amazingly great films. I mean, there's, you know, there's some moments here and there. The first contact is obviously the highlight of the films. Um, I, but I think you're going to get a good take. You're going to be able to watch the show without having to f- worry about watching, you know, season one and two of Next Gen, which nobody should have to do unless you're getting paid money to, because uh, they're not very good. But uh, this show, it's got a lot of connections to the past. There, it looks like there's um, a lot with the Borgs, a lot with with Doctor Soon's androids, uh, like Data, Lore, you know, before those androids and the and the. Borg, there's some kind of connection there, some kind of conspiracy going on. Picard starts to kind of find out that Starfleet's not being as cool as Starfleet used to be, not representing what Starfleet should represent. And uh, Picard, being the awesome uh, pillar of moral values, has to go on a quest. And it's really, really cool. They save the best part of the teaser, of this new trailer for the very, very end, uh, which is when we get a glimpse of of Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtis uh, repraising their roles as uh, Will Riker and Deanna Troy. Uh, we see it's oh, it's it's kind of fan service-y, I'm not going to lie. 
but it's one of those moments that I think Star Trek fans have always wanted to see because, you know, TV's changed a lot since Next Generation was on the air. And, you know, the episodic nature of Next Gen left a lot of things to kind of be, it left, it left a lot of blanks to be filled in by the people who watch the shows. You know, you see that, that Riker and Picard have a good relationship and, and a good camaraderie with each other. But now, through the serialized version of TV, which exists currently, we get to, they get to play with that more. They have to show them in very friendly terms with each other, you know? Uh, sitting on a, on a on a bench uh, with Riker with his arm around Picard, being just super buddy buddies, and uh, I, it's one of those things like, oh man, I wish there was more moments like that on Next Gen. But episodic TV at the time didn't really lend itself to those kind of things, and I mean, they they kind of built that into the Picard character where he did kind of distance himself from his crew intentionally. But it's so great to see that relationship has changed and transcended and become even more. And so I, you know, again. As a, as a fanboy nerd of Star Trek Next Generation, I was like, oh my god, this is the best thing ever. So I can't wait for Picard. I'm so excited for Picard. The only show that might I might be more excited for than Picard is the next trailer they released. Also, Star Trek. This is for the season three of Star Trek Discovery, the show that debuted and kicked off CBS's all-access platform, their streaming service. Star Trek Discovery is a show that I, I did get into late. I was uh, reluctant about it. I was reluctant about getting a new streaming service. I was reluctant about the things that I was seeing for the show, the stories that I was hearing about, you know, via via the internet and, and, and new stories I was reading. I did watch the premiere that was released simultaneously on CBS All Access and CBS Networks, and I didn't care for it. I really didn't, and... Uh, even going back and watching it again, I still didn't like it very much, and uh, it 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 didn't make me want to invest in watching that show. I was like, you know what? Maybe maybe Star Trek's just done for me, and I'm not I'm not going to get into the show. Eventually, here and there, a few people kind of people that I trust, tr- uh, confidants, um, they without giving away information about the show, they said, listen. <laughs> if you can get past the first episode or two, you know, you, there's something here. There's something to, to check out. And so I did reluctantly uh, go back into it. And yeah, there's, it's, it ain't great at the beginning. Um, but with season one in particular, I think that has to do with the, with the arc of the story, of the arc of the Michael Burnham character. And she had to be in a specific place for this show to start. But it was not a place that I was a fan of when it first started. I did not like a lot of the aspects of the first season at the very, very beginning. But that show grew on me, and it got insanely good and made a devoted fan out of me very, very quickly. And then what they did in season two, oh, baby, did that go well. There, there, there are some highs and lows in season two. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't perfect. It was not pitch perfect. But there was this wonderful emotional tenor throughout the season that, um, ooh, that really just resonated with me. It was like, oh man, this is good, dramatic storytelling, good dramatic Star Trek storytelling. And the way the season two finale ends, it was the most bananas thing I've ever seen on a Star Trek show. It, they do something that, uh, if you watch the trailer, you're gonna, it's, it will be spoiled for you pretty quickly. But it's awesome. It's so good. 
And uh, I am I am choosing my words carefully here because I, I don't want to get into spoilerific territory for anyone who may be behind or maybe just starting to discover Discovery. I said that on purpose. Um, because, oh gosh, but it's, it's such quality entertainment. It's really, really good sci-fi. It's really, really sharp storytelling. And uh, the, the part of the show that I like the most from Discovery... And this applies to The Expanse as well, too. I mean, it's not just great action, adventure, space stuff. Uh, there's genuine emotion in the show and, and feelings and, and uh, just wonderful acting across the board on all the shows. And um, again, I'm, I'm super pumped. Uh, the new trailer announced that the Picard will be debuting uh, in January, January 23rd of 2020. They didn't put a date on the new season of Discovery yet. But they did say that it will be in 2020. So I'm um, sometime after Picard is wrapped, uh, either right before or probably right after the summer, would be my guess for Discovery. And I am insanely looking forward to it. And uh, so insanely looking forward to it that I probably should take a moment to mention something that's going to be happening in 2020 on the podcast front. And... <laughs> For for better or for worse, uh, there's I'm I'm doing a new podcast in January. Uh, beer night staying. I'm staying on beer night. I'm not going anywhere from beer night. The Tomcast podcast will be staying as it, much as it is now, uh, but there will be a new Star Trek podcast on the Three BZ Network. Uh, we have tentatively titled it the Resistance. The Resistance is futile. Star Trek podcast, and we have begun. Uh, procuring social media names for that uh, Instagram and Twitter accounts mainly, but there will be more coming soon. And as soon as my semester at San Diego State finishes in December, uh, we'll start even getting a few pre-shows up and running. But the plan is to have that show going when Picard launches. So when the Picard episodes start to air weekly in January, starting January January twenty third, uh, we're going to do a weekly podcast recapping the episodes. And um, we're going to take that right into Discovery Season 3. Now, in between the shows, depending on what kind of gap we have, uh, we're going to go back, too. We're going we're gonna to do Discovery Season 1 and Season 2 and get, get everyone kind of caught up before Season 3, if time allows. If not, then we'll do that after Season 3 is aired, and we'll go back and do Season 1 and 2. But uh, I'm really, really excited. The episodic nature of Star Trek has, lend its, led, has led to... just There's just a wealth of it to explore and to, and to talk about and to have podcasts about. So... Uh, I'm hoping that I'll have a chance to podcast about Star Trek for a long, long time. I have uh, a, a list of potential co-hosts in mind for a Star Trek podcast, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how, uh, if I can persuade them and, uh, or if, uh, you know, and we'll, we'll see how it works out. But yeah, I'm not going to do it solo. There will be, uh, there will be at least one other person, potentially two people on the show if I get my 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 wish list kind of achieved. We'll see how that plays out. Plenty enough time for that. It's only the beginning of October, but that's something I hope everyone looks forward to in January 2020. Another a new podcast from from your friend Tom. Hopefully you're into that. Um and with that, I think it's time to get into the real reason I had to do a solo show. And that is to talk about preacher and how they fucked it all up. Hit the alarm. Okay, so Preacher, the AMC series, has wrapped up. It's been a couple weeks now. Hopefully, if you watch the show, you have seen the finale. 
If you haven't gotten to the finale yet, if you're still watching, if you're still in progress, uh, pause this and come back to it later after you have watched it. Um, again, I've said it before on the show, and I'll say it again. I'm, I am a huge fan of the Garth Ennis, Steve Dillon comic book that the show is based on. And I'm willing to, I'm willing, I'm very happy to accept that the show and the comics are very different entities from each other. I have no problem with that. Where I do butt up against things is the end game on the show had to have some kind of commonality with the comic book, I think. Because the end of the comic, the end of the comic is not what you expect. And I feel like this show tried to do a little bit of the unexpected, but also, I guess the, I guess the best way to put it is the show wanted to have its cake and eat it too. They wanted to kind of have like the poignancy of the comic book without having actually earned the poignancy of the comic book. To me, season four of Preacher got a bit off the rails. Again, now I'm not using the comic book as guideposts, but just with the characterizations of... In particular, Tulip and Cassidy. Jesse was fine for the most part. He kind of was always Jesse. The, my biggest gripe about the show is that Jesse, Tulip, and Cassidy, they never really grow. They don't change a whole heck of a lot. I, the, the show wants you to think they have, they've somehow progressed from where they started in season one, but they really haven't. They're still kind of the same people. They're still kind of the same characters, which I think is one of the reasons why the finale of the show is a bit diminished for me because they want to give you, they want to give these characters a happy ending that they have not yet earned because they're kind of the same. Nothing's really changed for them. You know, maybe their feelings for each other are more clear. Maybe everything's stated more on the surface. They're more open with their feelings, but in a lot of ways, they're still kind of not Tulip in particular. Her take, the this version of Tulip I found to be a character lacking in, in, in growth and development. She kind of stays where she stays throughout the series. And that's not a slam on, on the actors portraying them. Ruth Nega in particular, I think, is a fantastic actor, um, it, just like the rest of the cast. I think the acting on the show is very, very good. Where, where a lot of my problems come are from a storytelling perspective. And I just think over, over the course of four seasons of a show, there, there has to be some growth. You, you get some growth from Jesse. But with Tulip and Cassidy, it's, it's you know, like maybe a little bit here and there, and maybe I'm being a little strict on it. Um, but the characters aside, and the, and the forced happy ending that we're supposed to get for them, um, where I really butt up against the show is this apocalypse that the show has now been driving us towards for the last, you know, two or two-ish, or Two-ish seasons, I suppose. We kind of know an apocalypse was on the was on the cusp. This season was all about getting to the apocalypse. You know, so they were building up these big stakes, and you know, we're 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 paying attention to the the machinations of of Hairstar and God, who's very hand in hand with them about making bringing the apocalypse and bringing uh, because God wants to bring forth a new creation because he's had enough of humanity. Um. First of all, the apocalypse thing, okay. All right, I get it. You want to have high stakes on the show. But the apocalypse isn't very, it doesn't, there's not a lot of threat from it. You know, the only thing that we're really told about the apocalypse is that humanity has to do it to itself. You know, the free will and all that from God. Now, 
let's take a moment to, to put a little pin in that apocalypse thing and talk about the God aspect of this show. God as, an, as a regular character on this show was a huge mistake, in my opinion. God being omnip- omnipotent and all uh, made, made things so that it didn't make a lot of sense. You know, if God's all-seeing and all-knowing, he should know exactly what's going to happen at all particular moments. So the fact that Jesse thwarts his plans is a little bit convoluted to me. And, and not just Jesse alone. Tulip and, and, and Cassie play a role in that as well. But where I have a real hard time with this apocalypse is that it's predicated on, on this character named Humperdue. Humperdue is... Humperdue is a little different than in the comics, which is okay. But in, in the show, Humperdue is uh, the son, the son of Jesus, um, and he's going to signal the apocalypse, and that's when the apocalypse is going to happen. Now, Humperdue has no actual power in the apocalypse, though. His presence just happens to be what is going to start the apocalypse, and the apocalypse is starting on a kind of like reality talent show, kind of like like America's Got Talent sort of thing, which is um, stupid and dumb and a waste of my time. So early in season four, we, they, it's revealed that, that Humperdue plays a critical role in the apocalypse and that his presence is, is key for God's plan to work for this apocalypse. Except it's not. God's plan for the apocalypse and and Humperdue's presence in it doesn't not make any sense whatsoever. But the characters are under the impression that the only way to stop the apocalypse is to is to kill Humperdue. Humperdue is revealed to be possibly the most innocent character in the history of anything, but in particular on this show, he's a, this again a total innocent, a pure heart, a good character. He he. I, a, a pure soul, for for lack of a better expression. So, when it when the, when the show gets to its its kind of climax for stopping the apocalypse, and Cassidy at the at the behest of Tulip puts two in in Dumperdue's chest, um, any credibility for the end of the show kind of goes out the window for me, because these two these two characters and, and Jesse by extension, who's who's apparently part of, okay with all this have just killed an innocent character, a good person, a person who, again, was not vital to the bro- did not have a real role in the apocalypse other than to be the signal for it, for where uh, two people in a missile silo would start firing rockets at each other. And since he never makes it on TV, it doesn't happen. Which means Jesse still could have just walked out, said the word of God, and told everyone to fuck off. And so uh, they really forced this shit, and it really pissed me off. And the, uh, the notion that these characters are now responsible for the death of an innocent person is just, it's just bad storytelling. It's wrong and it's bad storytelling. Tulip had a chance to kill Humperdue earlier in the season, and maybe you think that, oh, that's going to be her growth moment. Maybe she's going to realize that Humperdue is a pure spirit, a good soul, and, and all those things, and she can't kill him. But when it comes down to brass tacks at the end of the story, when it's like, oh, now it's convenient that we have to do this for the story's sake, let's kill him. It, it just throws everything out the window. It, it just invalidates the fucking four seasons of me watching this show because these people made a horrible decision at the end of it. And that really kind of pisses me off. 
there's a lot more I can get into about this. The one thing they did get right about the finale is um, the way that Jesse's able to convince the saint of killers that God's the real asshole here and he's the one that needs to be dealt with. And so they do that by Jesse helping to send the saint to heaven by forgiving him for his sins and giving him absolution. So that when Jesse is able to kill the saint, he goes to heaven and the saint just waits for God to return. And when he does, spoilers again, the saint puts a bullet in his head. And that's the only thing that got right from the comic books. The only thing from the finale that got right from the comic books. Now, in the comic books, the way things played out... Oh, let's back it up for one second, too. Plus, Hairstar gets away with it. He gets away and gets to go live his dream life with his new beautiful looks that God gave him. And that's frustrating as well, because that character deserved a swift death. Or a, pain, a slow, painful one would have been just fine with me, too. Uh, in the comic books, it, it, is, it is drastically different. Um, the, the comic books does this incredible job of building up into a, a, a large-scale, big-scope climax of a, of, a, of a series. And you think, oh my gosh, it's like... They never get into, into Apocalypse. I'm, I'm kind of stumbling over my words here, so excuse me, and please pardon me. Um, the scale of the book, from the beginning, escalates. It grows. It, it becomes a worldwide kind of sort of scope, scale for the book to have. But in the finale, the finale of the comic book is extremely small, extremely small scale. It shrinks down into a fist fight between Jesse and Cassidy because Cassidy has betrayed Jesse. And Hairstar is going to take advantage of that fact and kill Jesse and by extension killing Genesis. And then God gets to go back to heaven. It plays out wonderfully because the comic book cuts to the core of the characters in a way that the show has never really bothered to get to. The, the comic book is a fascinating exploration of Tulip and Jesse and, and Cassidy. And the characters come out through the other side changed by what they've had experienced over like the 70 plus issues of the comic book series. And that's why, I mean, that's the biggest disservice, I suppose, uh, that the show did. is like The characters didn't really come out of, this, out of it any differently. At the end of the series, you know, after the apocalypse has been been halted, uh, you get uh, Jesse and, and Tulip still living their life of crime, but they have a baby now. You know, and the um, Jesse gets to go and have a sit down conversation with God. The fact that he gets to go and have a, a, a little sit down chit chat with God, and then he gets to tell God to go fuck off. Um, I was underwhelmed by that confrontation. <sighs> And it's just a bummer. It, um, it bummed me out. I thought the show, you know, for for the show's faults, I thought it had the potential to still end on a high note. But as season four seemed to be reaching its conclusion, you're just, you just kind of realize it was never going to get there the way it's supposed to. It never quite stick the landing the way they wanted to. Even though you didn't have to emulate, you know, the exact ending of the, sh- of the comic book, you still needed those characters to come to take... Ha- to experience what they experienced and come out changed, come out better for what has happened, what they've experienced, and be closer to each other, particularly in the case of Jesse and, and Tulip. It, the show forces that on you. It, they just kind of wind up together happy because that was more convenient and more expedient than actually going and showing how they changed and evolved and learned to uh, be, be with each other 
in, in any sort of way that made sense. And that's just frustrating to me. It really just bummed me out a lot. I sigh in exasperation. Um, but Preacher's End, Preacher's is over, so we won't have to talk about it anymore. It was a show that I don't think ever really caught the, the attention of the zeitgeist. It never really made a huge impact on the on the show on the pop culture, and uh, you know I can see why. I mean, you know, maybe my hopefulness for it to to kind of be as good as a comic or get at least somewhere close to the the, the high level quality storytelling of the comic book was a. Um, a reach on my part. Maybe I was just being hopeful and optimistic. Um, but I mean, there it is. I mean, four seasons of, of Preacher. It has highs, it has lows. There's great parts, there's bad parts. Um, but it's over now. And I, But I still recommend the comic book. It's one of my favorite things ever. And uh, if you follow us on social media, what I'm going to do, I'm going to make it, I'm, I'm not going to do spoilers right up front. There'll, there'll be, I'll do like a little two picture thing where you swipe to see what I'm going to show you, but I'm going to show you how hair star should have died because it's awesome. And, uh, yeah, so get ready for that. That's going to be on social media soon. So in conclusion, preacher season finale, hated it. And, uh, with that, I think, I think we're kind of sort of at the end of, uh, end of the run here today with, uh, with, for the little solo show, my little spoiler-filled, spoilerific, spoiler-time show. Uh, like I said, get caught up on the Expanse. Get you know, if you want, get caught up on Star Trek. Get ready for Picard. Star Trek Discovery is coming. You can catch up on the first two seasons of that awesome show. And uh, otherwise, you know, please, uh, if you get a, if you get a chance, if you have the time, uh, go on Apple iTunes and give us a five star review. Write us a review too. That'd be super super cool of you if you have the time. Uh, small podcast like us. Uh, you know, those five-star reviews mean a lot. They help get the word out. They help spread the word and let people know that we're doing a good job and being entertaining. And uh, uh, we appreciate that. Again, you can follow the show at TomCast underscore podcast on Twitter and at the TomCast underscore podcast on Instagram. Well, Roger's not here, so I'm, I'm going to sign off uh, by myself. So thank you so much for listening to this show. And we will be back very, very soon. Ciao, babes. Shoot the glass. We're not gonna be fucking sunk this year! We're the Stanley Cup champions!